1: today we're just getting started on the topic of how to save your marriage when you are the only one that cares you're going to want to tune in next week as well
2: let me tell you a story tracy i want you to imagine it's september 8th 2009 just before dawn there's a patrol of afghan forces and american trainers they're on foot they're making their way through this narrow valley they're going into a village and all of a sudden all over the village the lights go out and that's when it happens about a mile away dakota who was a corporal and staff sergeant juan chavez could hear the ambush over the radio man down is a phrase that is used in cases just like this to communicate that soldiers are hit they're down they're on the ground and in this case it was like the whole valley was exploding taliban fighters were unleashing a firestorm from the hills soon the patrol was literally pinned down They were taking ferocious fire from three sides. Men are being wounded, killed. They were Dakota's friends. They were surrounded. What Dakota did next is gonna be told for generations. He told Juan, we're going in. Juan jumped into the Humvee and took the wheel. Dakota climbed in the turret and manned the gun. They drove straight into the killing zone. Dakota's upper body and head was exposed as he was taking a blaze of fire. Coming up on wounded soldiers, Dakota jumps out and he loads wounded men into the Humvee. Each time he's exposing himself to all this enemy fire. They turn around and they drive this Humvee full of wounded people to safety. Those who were there called it the most intense combat they had ever seen. With everything that was going on, Dakota and Juan would have been forgiven had they not gone back in again. But when there's men down, you don't leave anyone behind. For a second time and then a third time, they went back with their Humvee filling it up with wounded soldiers who were shot in the field. For a fourth time, they went back, and now Dakota is actually wounded in the arm. Their vehicle is just riddled with bullets and shrapnel. They pushed on. And then for a fifth time, they went back into this fury of a village where there seems to be gunfire coming from every window, every doorway, every alley, and they finally reached the last trapped Americans. Because of his heroic steps, 36 men are alive today.
1: Is your marriage down in the valley? There's a man down who needs rescue. Today's broadcast on Vows to Keep Radio is for a special group of listeners. It's for those of you who have a marriage that's in an embattled position. You're the listener who can relate to a marriage that's at war. There's screaming, there's yelling in your home. Failure looks so certain that your spouse has actually already considered quitting. Maybe you're already separated, living alone. There's no future for your relationship.
2: I spoke to a listener of this show in an airport of all places in Florida. He had been a man who'd been separated for three years. And it was just now that he was beginning to feel the Holy Spirit was actually inspiring his heart to start pursuing his wife again. Just like Dakota, you're facing mission impossible. In fact, people around you are saying, listen, buddy, it takes two to tango. You can't force your spouse. Some might say there's only two options. You're going to stay and suffer, or you're going to get a divorce. Others might encourage you by saying, I've been there. Get a good attorney and get out.
1: We want to add here that if you are in danger in your marriage, and you know what I mean, get to a safe place. But keep in mind, even as you do so, that God wants to use you in your spouse's life to bring them to him. So you're committed to saving your marriage at any cost. Some might question you, okay, how are you going to do that? Your spouse wants out. You can't convince them otherwise. You know right now that saving your marriage is a one-sided rescue mission. You've looked at all the options that are out there and you can only pray there's a third choice. Not to stay and suffer, not to eventually get a divorce, but maybe there's another road you could take. Could this marriage be restored? Could it be changed? Not to what it once was, but maybe even into something better?
2: Maybe you know a big God like I do. The God who took all of my sins to the cross. You don't know how to change this marriage, but you know you want to. Well, let me tell you about Jack and Diane. That's not their real names, but they're a couple who found themselves in your spot. Diane was actually just coming out of an affair, but she was done with her marriage long before that affair started. Jack was a mess of a man who wanted to save his hopeless marriage, but he had done a lot of bad things over a long time, and they weren't gonna heal just because he wanted them to. Maybe you can relate to this. Or maybe you're someone who's just witnessing this situation on the outside and you've been the one, almost in desperation, understandingly saying to that person, you know what, I see why you want out. I see the pain. I'm not sure I could stay either. Too often, we don't even know what to say. Too often, we don't know what to do when it is us that is in that position. Oh sure, we turn to the internet. Guess what you're going to find? The new thing. Is a parental marriage which is which is basically saying you know what let these vows stay legally intact but you know what, we're going to open up this marriage it even encourages couples who are in this position to seek physical emotional and even spiritual support in the arms of other people that's what the world has to offer it's a bunch of bunk if this is you and you are in an embattled marriage we are so glad you're here today if you're the person who's standing on the outside shaking your head in disbelief that you don't know what to do. Again, we're glad you're here today. Our goal is to equip you as a listener about what God's word says on the subject of being the army of one in a fight for the king of kings.
1: So strap yourself in, this ain't a topic for sissies. It's also not a topic for people who think that they're stubborn enough to just pull it off on their own. Saving your marriage alone can only be done by the grace of God, and we're going to talk about in just a few minutes literally what we mean by that. If you're a regular to Vows to Keep radio, you know that this broadcast is all about God's Word. We put it at the center of what we do and what we say. We don't just tack it on to the end. So we've often preached about how God's Word isn't for adhering to just when it's convenient for me, when it pays off for me. Which in some ways is really actually quite upsetting to me because I read in verses like Matthew five thirty eight, where Jesus says, You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, Jesus says. If someone slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well.
2: So you've been there, I've been treated unfairly, even getting verbally beat up, but God's word asked me to believe what he's asking from me may not be for my good, but it's for his kingdom. Of course, the devil says, you know what? Don't worry about God, he is not for your good. Defend yourself, divorce will be easier. The truth is, sin is real. Any road you go down right now, if you're in an embattled marriage, is gonna be hard and it's gonna be painful. You want some more biblical proof? Let me read to you 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to pick it up in verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? Well, listen, Peter, have you met my spouse? She's bitter. She's cold. I can do all the right things and she takes it the wrong way, even offended by my right heart. It goes on. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as the Lord. Always be prepared to give answers to everyone who asks the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than doing evil.
1: So David, let me get this straight. My spouse's sin comes with consequences for me. Okay, I get that. Peter is saying here, like you just read, if we do the right thing and suffer because it's God's will, that is in fact a good thing? Well, what if it's not God's will? Then suffering is just stupid, right?
2: Yeah, it could could be considered that way, but let me dig into this in just a minute. The perspective that doing good and still suffering is something that Satan would certainly have us believe is a hallmark of a Christian idiot. God's word is saying that this is to be the very definition of God's economy. This is grace. This is mercy. This is love put into action. Can you really exercise grace if someone hasn't had an offense against you? Let me continue. I'm going to read in Ephesians 2 verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not by your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one can boast. Let's pick this apart. Now, if we look at the grace that God has used to save us, God is explicitly stating, it's not a result of my works.
1: In fact, it's even a response to my sin. God couldn't have extended that grace to me if I hadn't been a sinner in the first place.
2: So while you might be looking at your spouse and you are realizing, oh my goodness, they are so rebellious right now. They are deep in sin.
1: But if I take a half a second and honestly look at my own heart, I realize I'm just as rebellious as they are. And then I remember the way that God responded to me in my rebellion. He didn't wait for my good works to prove myself to Him. He's the one that approached me with His grace. I needed that grace He offered to me in the midst of my deepest sin. Jesus gives grace. He covers our sin while we are still sinning. And He's saying, will you do that for your spouse?
2: So with this in mind, we want to answer the question, how do you save your marriage by yourself? Well, it's with an amazing God. Now, what we're going to talk about today is not a formula, but it is about repeating a set of successive biblical concepts. So first, you need to take your thoughts captive and prepare for your reaction. Second, you need to overcome the static of all of your emotions and even the emotions of your friends. Third, you need to understand the purpose of your marriage. And I don't mean your purpose for your marriage. I mean God's purpose for your marriage. And number four, you need to love like a conduit and stop believing that you are a source. Now we're going to unpack these things, but I want you to have this framework in mind as we do that. One of the most amazing things about being a part of the Vows to Keep team is that we get the pleasure of seeing how God will use our marriage problems to help us see our need for Him. Now to lump... Every person who says they're a believer in as a true believer seems like a bit of a mistake. It's not my place to judge, but God has used so many marriage problems in so many people's lives to show them something that I think we all know. There are people who claim Christ who've never actually accepted him. These false believers think that their declaring their commitment is enough and that they don't actually have to follow the beliefs or change to look like Jesus. Fake believers think that they are afforded all of the benefits of Christianity without the cost of actually accepting Jesus and then doing what he did. Too many come to church because their mom and dad did. And you know what? They end up staying over the long haul of their life for the freedom to be self-indulgent and to do so above the law. Because you know what? I've got grace.
1: Many of us start out in marriage, one person having a relationship with Jesus Christ, one person who maybe doesn't. Sometimes it's two people who are coming together in marriage. They both grew up in a Christian home, and they just sort of assume that that makes them Christian adults. It seems like as if by osmosis, they're grandfathered into the Christian faith. The eyes of their hearts are blinded about their true heart condition. But when things start to blow up at home, the lack of their true faith becomes clearer to them and everyone around them. And you know what? Sometimes marriage trouble can be a real blessing in disguise. It can begin to take off the blinders that have been on. Sometimes two people come together in marriage and they actually are two Christians, but they're forgetful Christians. They feel like in their sin they're covered with grace, so they lean into their sin more and more without regard. They forgot the debt of their sin, the rebellion of their heart, and then with a judgmental heart they begin to condemn one another. God will use our marriage problems to bring us to him.
2: All most of us see when we're in that position is that I'm in a place of marital pain. And you know what? I'm the only one who's trying. It's normal, I think, to think about that pain, to think about the rejection that I feel, the hurt, the bitterness, the confusion. And then to add to that, there's pressure from all over the place But do we think about the mission that God might actually have us on for our spouse's soul? Right now, I know most of us in this position are thinking about how our spouse has abandoned the ship. But God asks us to react more like Dakota, hearing man down, it's time to rally for rescue. If you think there's no hope because you're the only one pulling for your marriage, you're wrong. We have seen marriages saved by the investment of basically one committed godly partner in spite of the lies that Satan would have you or your spouse believe about revival. The thing is, most marriages have one partner that is more capable than the other at any given moment around any given issue. The problem is we don't see ourselves as God's representative. The world sucks us into becoming fans rather than followers. You know, the fan on the sideline of the football game, he shouts from the sideline, he points out every player's mistake. Followers are different, though. They see God has actually placed them on mission in the field, in hard places, but for a purpose.
1: When we are in the heat of the battle, we are getting inundated with lies that we are tempted to believe. Lies that say, this marriage is a goner, and we'd be better off on our own. God's word is our only source of truth. And we need to make sure every thought that we're thinking lines up with the truth of God's Word. Many of them throughout our day are not going to. We need to be able to recognize those. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says that we demolish arguments and every pretension, every lofty thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Jesus Christ. What thoughts are you thinking right now that don't line up with the truth of God's Word?
2: Job number one of taking your thoughts captive is to recognize that God has given you a strength. And now it's time to prepare your mind for action. And dare I say, prepare your heart for reaction.
1: In many ways, you need to see yourself as needing to get battle ready, to arm yourself with the truth of God's word. You need to know why you're going to do what you will do, and then do it when the time comes. We've talked really plainly today about how you might be on a rescue mission for your spouse's soul and your marriage. But here's another truth. God is going to use this experience to deepen your theology if you will let him.
2: That is so true. I mean, theology is really just a set of intellectual and emotional commitments that you make about who God is and who you are, which dictate your beliefs and ultimately your actions.
1: God might be putting your faith to the test to show you that your faith can go deeper in him as you get to know your God better and how faithful he is, even in the toughest of situations.
2: Yeah, let me give just a really quick example. First Peter chapter one, this is verse 13 says, therefore, prepare your minds for action and being so reminded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of of Jesus Christ.
1: Preparing our minds for action isn't just a one-time thing. This is moment by moment taking captive the thoughts that don't belong there. Getting our face in God's word, studying books in the Bible like James and John and Galatians and Ephesians. Know God's promises. Know that they're real for your marriage and make your thoughts his.
2: This isn't about just trying to make you emotionally feel better or feel more goody-two-shoes. This is about giving yourself a clear plan for action. And believe it or not, that will often make things so much simpler in your daily life. Now in the case of Jack and Diane, Jack had actually been amassing evidence that was proving the affair. He had text messages, he had credit card receipts, and at the time he began to read God's word, it became very clear that his action plan didn't require any of that evidence anymore. All of the evidence that he was waiting just to blast his wife with, well, it went in the garbage. There was no need for condemning evidence. In fact, that's the best way that he could potentially lead his wife to do the same thing with all of his sins. Maybe your situation isn't quite that dire. Your spouse just comes home and speaks to you like a total jerk about something you didn't even do wrong. Well, then Ephesians 4.25 comes to your head, And you bring glory to God by setting aside some sinful anger. You see, the Christian with captive thoughts knows God's word in their hearts. They can see sin for sin and sometimes even just recognize an emotional hit. They know, though, that God's word doesn't entertain wrong reactions. No matter how much your emotions might lie to you and say, this is due to them. It's right for you to retaliate. Do you see how knowing God's word can clarify your thoughts? Well, I want to take this one step further. Earlier, I had read 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. And if you remember, it says, For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And I want to point out Malachi 2, 16. It says, For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. And him who covers his garment with wrong and violence, says the Lord of Israel, Hosts, Therefore, keep watch on your spirit, so that you do not deal treacherously with your wife. You see, I think God is pretty clear about how he feels about divorce. If you're still not sure, let's look at Matthew 19.3. It says, And the Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him, and they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? He replied, Have you never read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And he said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined inseparably to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. God's will for your marriage is the kind of love that Christ shows to the church when he fulfills Romans 5.8.
1: Before we continue here on Vows to Keep Radio, one area that we want to talk about It's a little bit controversial is that we've worked with some couples over the years that have been told by their pastor or Christian counselor to separate from their spouse and simply focus on their vertical relationship with God. We rarely advocate for separation because we have found it's really hard to please God when you're not adhering to God's word in regards to your spouse. But we do agree now is the time to focus vertically. This is the time to be a sponge for God's truth, attending church on a really regular basis, soaking in the word of God, listening to sermons, listening to things like vows to keep radio, anything and everything that is going to keep your compass pointed to true north. And along these same lines, it's important to avoid a people who don't encourage you in your adherence to biblical truth, especially when it comes to marriage. You know, those friends of yours, those acquaintances of yours that would want to steer you in the opposite direction. That god is leading you we know this is hardcore but now is the time to make your mind god's and god's alone and not give the enemy any foothold in your life maintain total mental commitment to the truth of god and following his instructions alone
2: so it's with education on god's word that we take our thoughts captive that we prepare for godly reactions to really bad hard painful situations now part and parcel to that is the second point We must overcome the enormous distraction of our emotions and even our friends' emotions. You must be confident that you're building your house on the rock of God. With clear direction from God's word about reactions and the fruits that we will see from the spirit of God, you're going to find that you're no longer at the mercy of all these outside events. All the things that would toss and turn your emotions no longer are going to be a factor. And this is exactly what Jack did. He said, I'm going to do the right thing according to God's word, no matter what, because I can count on him. My trust is not in my works. It's not in what I'm doing. My trust is in God. So I'm going to keep on obeying his counsel. And let me tell you, friends, Jack found such peace in this place. There's no need for results to even be found. What you see is the fruit of the spirit in the form of peace.
1: Having the fruit of the Spirit evident in your home is so key because without the peace that God provides, that stress can be really unbearable. Many people turn to things like medical doctors and medication, even alcohol or street drugs for help. They look for an escape of some sort. And these are everyday people who miss the blessing of trusting a Heavenly Father who can give them every provision that they need during this difficult time. We started out today's broadcast talking about a rescue mission. That is what God is asking you to do in your marriage. This week, here's some vows to keep homework. Work on taking your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ so that your reactions to your spouse's sin are godly. Here's number two with your vows to keep homework. As you go throughout your week, ask God to open your eyes to the influences, to the voices that are in your life, and then ask Him for the courage to steer clear, of worldly advice, and then ask God to give you more and more opportunities to let biblical truth pour into your world. Join us next week on Vows to Keep Radio as we finish walking through counsel from God's Word on how to save your marriage alone.
0: Vows to Keep is supported by a team which includes biblical coaches, writers, and pastoral advisors. If you have a desire to serve marriages in your community, we would love to hear from you. Vows to Keep is a not-for-profit marriage ministry designed to bring God's encouraging truth to the marriages of our area. As a not-for-profit organization, our commitment to Christ-like marriages includes providing much-needed services regardless of a couple's financial ability to offset the cost of Vows to Keep operations. If you are unable to donate your time or abilities but would like to help support Vows to Keep financially, visit VowsToKeep.com and click on the donate link. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.